Welcome to the Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Somewhere in the spring of 2002, a couple months into being a newly married couple, Jen and I were having dinner together on our own in our apartment. And I don't remember the exact date, but I will never forget the conversation. I remember even where I was sitting. I can remember what the room looked like. I was putting a fork full of food in my mouth, and she said to me, do you know that you don't talk during the week? (laughs) I was laughing. I was like, I said a dumb guy thing. I'm like, well, we're talking right now. And I said, "I, I talk to you. And she's like, no, I mean, like from Monday to Friday, you're sort of in work mode. You don't really say much. And then the weekend, you're like, fun, BJ, and talking. She's like, but Monday to Friday, you don't really say anything. What, what she was meaning was like, I don't know what's going on inside. You don't really talk about what you're thinking about, what you're feeling, what happened during your day. You don't communicate five out of seven days a week. And she said, I don't really want to live like that. I don't want us to live like that. Man, that was a really significant conversation. We were just talking about it the other day. It changed uh, the direction of our marriage. And 21 years later, and over the space of 21 years, we have worked on that to the point where we feel we really do communicate. See, language is at the heart of any meaningful relationship, right? Without language, there's no communication. And without communication, there's no relationship. And the more important the relationship, the more significant it is, the more important communication language is to that relationship because you need language for all kinds of different conversations and types of communication. You don't need that. I don't need to have that with the guy who works in the hardware aisle at the hardware store when I'm going to look for a certain kind of screw. I don't need to open my heart to him. I just need to say, hey, I need this uh, depth of screw, this material, and he just needs to know, and we just need to be able to communicate enough to get that done, and that's it. (laughs) But with a best friend, with a child, with a spouse, with someone you're dating and getting to know, and maybe it's getting serious, (laughs) you need all kinds of different language to have all kinds of different communication, to communicate feelings, to listen, to talk about your hopes and dreams, to work through conflict, to plan things together, to dream about the future. Those are the all different kinds of conversations you have. And the more significant the relationship, the more uh, advanced the language needs to be. And this explains why many of us feel a sense of disconnection or distance in our relationship with God. Right. For some of us, we maybe it's like like me and Monday to Friday, there's just sort of this. We don't talk much. We go through long periods of time without really communicating without where you don't sense the presence of God or you're not interacting with him. Or perhaps for others, there's just this this feeling of, um, you know, like there's this sort of simple, basic (laughs) transactions or sort of um, here and there, but not real kind of depth or connection. Maybe for some of you who are new to faith or exploring faith, you're like, wow, like, okay, like, I didn't even know we talked about God in the context of relationship, but what does that even look like? How would I have that sense of relationship with God? What does it mean to be in relationship with God on a regular basis? You know, Jesus' uh, closest friends um, 
brought this up with him in a conversation one day, and they said it like this, Lord, can you teach us to pray? Lord, teach us to pray. <laughs> Prayer is the heartbeat, the lifeblood of our relationship with God. It is the way we communicate with him. It is the way we talk to him and the way he speaks to us. In that sense, it involves both us speaking to him and us listening to him. Prayer is at the heartbeat of our relationship with God. And so for the most significant relationship we will ever have, that is being with God, the one that actually gives meaning and purpose and help in every other relationship that we have, prayer is essential for us to be able to interact with him. And the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Why? <laughs> because they needed to learn the language, right? Y you weren't born knowing how to speak. Like, unless you were an infant prodigy or Stewie from Family Guy, you, you weren't born knowing how to read Ikea instructions, as simple as they may be. You weren't born knowing how to write an email to inquire about a job opening. You weren't born knowing how to text uh, to ask someone that you kind of like out on a date. You weren't born knowing how to navigate conversations and conflicts. You weren't born even knowing how to speak at all. You were born with the capability and the capacity to learn. And that's true about our relationship with God. We weren't born or made new in Christ knowing how to speak to God. We were made with the capacity to know God. We weren't born knowing who God is. We were born with the capability to learn to know who he is and to learn to communicate and interact with him. But we need to learn, right? How many of you have had to learn a new language? <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> right? We weren't born knowing how to do it. We had to actually learn it. And the same is true with prayer. In a sense, we need to learn prayer as a second language. <laughs> we need to learn prayer as a second language so that it becomes second nature, right? That's what it means. And I don't mean like flowery words or specific religious language. We need to learn the language of relationship with God, which is prayer, and, and it's not something we know how to do. We need to learn how to do it. So we're learning prayer as a second language until prayer becomes second nature. <clears throat> and uh, that's why my one goal for uh, us this week is, um, is that you would um, have a, an appetite to learn, that you would actually want to learn. Now, some of us, that learning is, is like ground zero. We're like, I don't even know where to begin. I've never prayed. I didn't even know that that's what prayer was. For others of us, maybe it's like the basics. You know, you pray for meals or you pray at night or um, pray the help me, bless me prayers when you're in trouble. You know, those, those are good prayers. But maybe you'd say, that's, that's all I know. Um, <clears throat> for others, maybe we learn certain kinds of prayers in our religious tradition um, but we didn't learn other ones, and, and we sort of think, I, yeah, I don't really know how to explain. Maybe we didn't even know listening prayer was a thing. Or maybe some of us say, oh, yeah, I know how to pray. I pray all the time, but are you in relationship with God? Do you know how to be in relationship with God through prayer? Is it a back and forth? We all need to learn, and so my one goal today is to actually increase your appetite to want to learn <laughs> so that you will opt into the prayer lab. 
<laughs> the prayer lab starts tonight. It's actually the, the week formerly known as the week of prayer. We've rebranded it. For many, many, many years at our church, we have started the first week of the year every night for five nights in a row, Sunday to Thursday, praying together as the church as a way of resetting our minds, recalibrating our vision, entering into this year, <clears throat> ultimately in a closer relationship with God and together. And so that's what we have done at the Week of Prayer for many, many years. But this year we're calling it the Prayer Lab, and I think maybe we'll just carry that name on forever um, because it, it, it reminds us of the fact that prayer is a language we're constantly learning. We're constantly trying to grow in our ability to communicate with God, to speak to Him, and to hear Him speak to us. And so my goal is to increase your appetite to learn that you would opt into the Prayer Lab for this week. And <clears throat> near the end of this message, I'll let you know more details about that Prayer Lab and where we're going and what that looks like. <clears throat> but for today, I actually want to begin just some of the learning by looking at the response that Jesus gave to that request when his friends, his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. His response to them was something that has been called or named the Lord's Prayer. That's when Jesus explained it to them. And the Lord's Prayer obviously is specific words, but it's not just specific words. He wasn't just teaching them these are the exact words you use to pray. He was teaching them how to pray. He was helping them learn the language. And I want you to listen <laughs> to what Jesus taught them in a sense, what these words were. And we're just going to work through it together and say, what does this teach us about what prayer is? How do we learn the language? Prayer is a second language through the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. So just listen to that. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Man, one of the very first things that we understand when we listen to Jesus' response of, Lord, teach us how to pray, is we realize that prayer is all about relationship. Jesus actually, right at the beginning, before he even teaches the prayer, he says, listen, don't babble on like the Gentiles do. And he was referring to, um, you know, where they lived, Galilee, Nazareth, whatever, that whole area. It was a very kind of cosmopolitan area, lots of different cultures and peoples going through. They would have seen and been exposed to different religions and different types of prayer. And this is what was true about um, some of the religions back then and actually about many religions now, is that the idea of prayer is that prayer is this energy and these words and sounds that we use, we humans, to somehow <clears throat> get the attention of the deity who's way up there to try to get him to help us or bless us or to appease his anger or their anger, the God, the gods, whatever it is, <clears throat> that's what prayer is. And Jesus would have referenced some things they had heard where um, prayers that were um, both um, kind of loud and noisy and repetitive, saying the same thing or saying the same name of that God over and over again, somehow to try to get his attention. He's like, don't do that. Why? <laughs> he says, because your father 
that is God, already knows what you need. <laughs> right? You don't, this isn't the deity way up there who's busy with geopolitics and all this other stuff and doesn't care about you. And so you have to like make as much noise as you can and say the right words in the right order and the right spell to somehow get him to appear or listen to you. He is a father who is well aware of his children's needs. And that word father, Jesus actually uses it twice in this, uh, in this uh, passage. It's how he opens the prayer as well. You'll see in the next verse. And it is a word for God that Jesus uniquely used more than anyone else. The God as father really gets introduced to us through Jesus. God had many names in the Old Testament, but Jesus continually referred to God as my father. And then when he's teaching the disciples and talking about it, he says, our father, your father. And the word father is not like father or formal. It's, it's, um, it's the word translated from the Greek word Abba, which is not a Swedish rock band, though Abba Gold is one of the best albums ever. Um, it's not that. It's, a, it's an intimate term. It's Papa, Dad, Daddy. <laughs> it's, it's the word that children use when they feel very close to and comfortable with their father. And so right away we see Jesus setting prayer on this very different, in this very different context. This isn't about you trying to get the attention of an uninterested deity. This is you talking to a God you know and who knows you, who is your father, intimacy, relationship. <laughs> and here's the irony. He says, hey, you don't need to babble on and try to get his attention. He already knows what you need. Which, of course, begs the question, then why pray? Why ask him for things? Why talk to him about that? Why? Because the goal is not transaction. I say the words, God gives me the thing or avoids hurting me and doesn't zap me with lightning. No, it's relationship. You're talking to a father. You have a relationship with him. So prayer is about interacting with the one you know and love and the one who knows you and loves you. This is all about relationship. And then as you go through the rest of <clears throat> the Lord's prayer, you realize so much of this is relationship. Here's the irony, friends. Jesus was teaching them this prayer as language for intimate relationship. And so many traditions, we have turned the Lord's Prayer into this rote, dead, empty religious recitation that has no life and relationship in it, right? Isn't that the irony of the Lord's Prayer? His point wasn't to teach us words that we would mindlessly say. In fact, he said, don't babble on. And some of us learned the Lord's Prayer is just babble on. We just say it. We don't even think about it. That's the irony. Jesus is saying, don't pray like that. Instead, remember, you are relating to a father who knows you and who you know, who you love and who loves you. And so we're just going to break down this prayer bit by bit to learn this language a little bit more and see how relationship is all the way through it. And actually for us, not just to learn the words of the Lord's Prayer, but to learn words of prayer. How do we pray? This teaches us to pray. First, he says, <clears throat> Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. This is the language of reverence and closeness. This is your father, Abba, Daddy, Papa, in heaven. And he doesn't mean where he is located spatially. He's mean like the like where he, he sits on the universe's throne. This is the most high God. He says, who is holy. May your name be kept holy. In other words, holy just means there's no one like you, God. You are not like anyone we know. In fact, you are not like any other father we know, which for many of us is good news, right? Because we didn't have a great relationship with our father. And if our heavenly father is like our earthly father, we're in trouble, maybe for some of us, right? Or that just feels unsafe or awkward. He says, no, this is the father who is holy. There's no one like you. But you are close. You are my dad. 
Um, this is the language of reverence and closeness. It's like saying, the king of the universe is my dad. I can ask him for anything because he is mighty and holy, no one like him, but I'm close to him. And when he says, may your name be kept holy, it's like saying, God, I know you like this. As father, I want everyone to know you like this. I want everyone to realize there is no God like you. There is no father in the world like you. You are father in heaven. That's how he says, begin your prayer like that. Father in heaven, my, my dad, my, the king of the universe is my dad. And I want everyone to know him like that. He says, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's language, listen, that prays for others and prays for change, right? When Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus was not an earthly kingdom. Jesus did not wear a crown, sit on a throne, hold a scepter, have all of the riches and wield power and, and build an army. That's what the Roman Empire did. That's what they were very familiar with. Those were what the kingdoms of the earth were like. And Jesus, all the way through actually Matthew's gospel, kept, keeps teaching them, what is the kingdom of heaven like? And the two features of the kingdom of heaven we see over and over and over is that it is a kingdom that blesses and cares about and moves towards the weak, the poor, the oppressed, the victims of injustice. Like these, the ones who are forgotten and marginalized and even considered too dirty, too impure to be close to God. There's the, the kingdom of heaven belongs to them, Jesus said. And it is a kingdom that brings freedom from demonic oppression, healing from sicknesses, and reconciliation in relationships. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. So when we pray, when Jesus says, hey, God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, let earth look a little more like heaven. If that's what your kingdom is, where the marginalized and the weak and the victims of injustice are cared for and protected and vindicated, where those who are uh, oppressed are set free, where those who are sick are healed, where those who are broken in relationships are reconciled, we want earth, God, to look more like heaven. It's praying for others. Let your kingdom come in their life. And it's praying for change, for transformation. Let our world change. This is the beginning of the prayers, right? These big prayers to our Father in heaven. The King of the universe is my dad. And therefore, God, bring change, bring help, bring your kingdom here to this person's life, to this person's life, to my neighborhood, to my workplace, to my school, and to our world. The big prayers for others and for the world. But then it continues on. It gets even more personal, right? This is relational. It says, give us today the food we need. Or some translations say, give us this day our daily bread. And the translators think that this probably actually means, Lord, can you give us bread for tomorrow? And, and this was, these were, he, Jesus was talking to and living in a culture primarily where people were subsistence living. They only had enough for that day. They got paid daily wages. A worker got paid laborers. General laborers got paid for that day. There was no guarantee they would get paid for tomorrow. There were no salaries. There were no contracts. There were no unions. There was no job security. You could get sick and you couldn't work. Or there could be a drought or a, a blight or a, a plague or locust and wipes out the crops. So there's no work to be done. You can't do it. We've lost this year. You didn't know where your next meal was coming from. And so for a lot of those people, there was worry about tomorrow. What am I going to eat? How am I going to provide for my family? What's going to happen in the future? This is the language of dependence and provision, right? God, I can't control the future. I'm not depending on, I can't depend on myself. I can't depend on my health. I can't depend on my employer. I can't depend. This is an unstable world. 
I depend on you. Can you provide what we need for tomorrow? And this is actually, we find out a few verses later, Jesus is saying, don't worry about tomorrow, right? So much of our preoccupation in our mind is about tomorrow, is about the future. For many of us, <clears throat> it may not be daily bread. We, most of us don't have to worry about where tomorrow's meal is coming from, although we have more and more food insecurity in our world, in our city. Um, but there's probably something we're worried about tomorrow that we don't know whether it's going to happen and need to happen or might happen, good or bad or whatever. And this is a prayer that says, God, I depend on you. Provide. I'll let you handle tomorrow. I won't worry about it. This relationship, right? Dependence. I depend on you. I trust you. I can trust you. You're my good father. Then he goes on, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. This is the language of reconciliation and grace. Right? What does sin do? Sin destroys relationships. Sin separates us. It puts barriers between us and God and us and each other. <clears throat> and so this is a prayer to say, God, bring us back into relationship. Bring me back into relationship with you. Forgive my sins. I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to turn my back on you. I don't want anything between us, God. Forgive me. Remove the barriers between me and you. And help me remove the barriers between me and those who have hurt me. Right? Because we live in a world... <clears throat> We don't just need daily bread. We need daily forgiveness and daily reconciliation. Why? I say this to couples when I'm working with them in premarital counseling. You're a sinner marrying a sinner. There's going to be stuff to forgive. <laughs> say this to parents. You're a, you're a sinner and you gave birth to a sinner, <laughs> right? We're raising sinners. We're raised by sinners. This is the world we live in. We work with sinners. We are sinners on our teams, in our schools. There will be damage done to each other. We don't just need daily bread. We need daily grace, daily forgiveness, daily reconciliation. This is saying, Lord, bring us back into relationship with you and bring us back into relationship with each other. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And then finally, he says, pray this way. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. This is the prayer, the language of um, strength and protection. Right, God, give me strength, right? I'm weak. It's, it's language that recognizes our vulnerability. God, I'm not strong by myself. There are things that I'm, I'm prone to, I'm tempted to, to say, to do, to not say, to not do. And I get tempted all the time. I'm weak. I need your strength. God, don't let me give in to temptation. And I recognize there's an enemy of my soul. There is someone who hates me and hates you and trying to destroy me and the world through temptation, through lies, through accusation. So protect me. Save me from the evil one. Don't just save me from myself. That's the, don't let me yield to temptation, my flesh. Protect me from the devil. Protect me from the evil in this world. Don't let it overpower me. Strength, protection. Friends, just think for a moment. This is all in one prayer. Just a few lines. All of these words that are inherently relational, that bring us close to God in relationship, where we share his heart and love, where we feel close to him, where we open our own hearts to him in vulnerability and trust and dependence, where we pray for the people we are in relationship with, for God to come into their life, for God to transform our world, for God to forgive them, for us to be able to forgive them. And here's the incredible thing, right? Which tells us this is all about relationship. Jesus wasn't just teaching them this prayer. He was praying it and living it himself, right? He called God his father in heaven. He was aware of how much the father loved him and how great God was and turning people's attention to him. 
He was the one who was bringing God's kingdom to earth as it was in heaven, right? He said, I am the kingdom. The kingdom is here. I am here to bring this kingdom. He was living it by what he did, how he acted, what he taught. He was also poor and traveling, right? And from a poor family, he depended on God for daily bread. He didn't, um, he trusted God to care for his needs and didn't worry about the future. He also had a lot of things to forgive others for, right? And even on the cross when he's saying, Father, forgive them what they're doing to me. So many people hurt him direct and indirect ways. He had so many things to forgive. And so he was forgiving others. And then he also was tempted like us. The scriptures say Jesus was tempted, uh, tempted like us in every way. He faced every kind of temptation we face. He was a human being. He felt that. He felt the temptation to lust. He felt the temptation for revenge. He felt the temptation to despair. He felt the temptation to use other people. He felt the temptation to give in, to seek riches. He felt the temptation to, um, <clears throat> to turn his back on God. All of those things, right? He was tempted like us in every way, but was without sin. And he was attacked by the devil. And so he needed protection. So Jesus lived this. <laughs> he didn't just teach it. And it's the perfect example, this prayer of why we need the prayer lab, why we need environments and spaces to grow and learn. And before I close and just tell you a little bit about what to expect from that, I want to take a moment just to pray through this ourselves, to use this as a learning experience. And so I'm just going to lead you through a couple of prompts um, to help you pray your own version of the Lord's Prayer, because this isn't about the specific words themselves. It's about learning to pray in our own way, right? Um, the language of prayer. And so um, you can write if you have a notepad or a phone or a tablet, or if you just want to do this kind of quietly in your head. Write or pray one or two sentences. First, that thanks God for being so great and powerful and also for being your loving, attentive, and safe Father in heaven. Just take a few seconds to do that. Then take a moment to ask for a specific person that's on your heart or maybe a situation in our world that they would experience God's presence and transforming work in their lives. Right? This is the let your kingdom come. Let earth look a little more like heaven. Now take a moment to express your dependence on God by asking him for what you need, quote, tomorrow, right? Perhaps it's something you're anxious or worried about. What is the thing tomorrow or in the future that you want to depend on him for and ask him for?
Now write one or two sentences that asks for forgiveness for something you've said or not said or done or didn't do. And then ask his help for forgiving someone in your life. Maybe it's a small thing. Maybe you thought, oh, it doesn't matter, but it's kind of bugging you. Or maybe it's a big thing. Ask his help to forgive others. And then finally, ask his help to fight a particular temptation in your life. And ask his protection from the evil one, lies, and accusations. What a gift, right, to be able to learn from Jesus to be taught to learn prayer as a second language until hopefully it becomes second nature to us. <clears throat> and that is why we're doing the prayer lab this week. I'm so excited to be launching that as a church, to be going through that together. Um, that starts tonight at 4 p.m. And we're going to be at uh, King City United Church, normally where our King site meets. Uh, but our King site, we're letting, they're letting us take over there. and We're all going to be there together for 4 p.m. There will be childcare, so if you have little kids, you can bring them. They'll have classes and time to hang out. And then we get to eat a meal together, which is awesome too. Like, this is all about relationship. And so the, the prayer night starts tonight at 4 p.m. And then for the rest of the week, um, there's a different themes each night. And you can see those on the screen, the different themes. Um, tonight is 4 p.m., but then every other night is 7.30 p.m. Tomorrow night, that's Monday, it's all online, thewell.ca slash prayer. Um, and actually, you can use that link all week to live stream if you can't make any of the live ones. But man, in-person's way better. Monday night, though, it'll just be all Zoom. There's no in-person. And then the rest of the nights. And these are different um, things that we're going to learn. And so tonight, we're going to learn about using Scripture um, to pray. And Monday night, we're going to use to borrow. How do we borrow the prayers of others <laughs> that can give us words when we don't have words? And then um, we're going to learn to be prayed for by others on Tuesday night. That's where we get to receive from the body, where we pray for each other. Wednesday night, our youth are leading us, which is going to be amazing. And then Thursday night, the last night, is learning how to pray prayers of blessing. What is the role of blessing in our prayer life? And so, um, 
it's a space for all of us to learn. If you've never been, you, don't, you won't be asked to stand up and pray in front of people. You don't have to pray out loud. You'll have the opportunities to take risks, to try stuff you've never tried before, but that's what learning is about. Um, but everyone is welcome. Everyone is, is invited. Everyone will feel comfortable no matter where you are in the journey of faith and in your learning the language of prayer. All of us need to grow and learn. We're not all at the same places, but we get to do this together. And here's why this is so important. Because no one learns a language by themselves, <laughs> right? The first language you learned, right, as a baby, you would never have learned if you weren't surrounded by other people if you weren't with other people, if you didn't hear them speaking and then begin to make sense of sounds and then words and then sentences and then ideas and then conversation, it was a process of being immersed in language with other people in relationship. And that's true about prayer as a second language until prayer becomes second nature. The community is so important in our journey of prayer. And so that's why it's so cool for us, even as we end today, to be able to celebrate something together that we have done, um, the church has done for 2,000 years, and that's the Lord's Supper um, communion, to actually ex experience and remember we are being taught by Jesus, with Jesus in our midst, present with us, as real as these elements are, so that he can be not only teaching us, but modeling for us as he lived this life of prayer as well.